morning, everyone, and welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope that you will visit our website at gbcakron.org or hit the link in our bio. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a minute to let us know by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Good morning again. Thank you uh, for being in the room, for watching online. I believe uh, we are in the right place at the right time, and and God has some really uh, great things to share with us this morning. We've been looking at the life of Daniel and uh, how God used him in a culture uh, that was... was, um, well, it was, it was a very godless culture. It was a very pagan, what what you know scholars call a pagan uh, a pagan culture. But uh, they had something going on in in their culture that we deal with in our own culture today. Uh, something called foolishness. Are you guys familiar with foolishness? Do you know Do you know what foolishness is? Um, I, I looked up the definition just in case. Uh, the, the The definition is it's lack of good sense or judgment. Or stupidity. Now, sometimes people think foolishness has to do with a person's IQ. It absolutely does not. Uh, Stupidity is willful ignorance. And foolishness is willful ignorance. In other words, we have the understanding to know better. We just don't do what we know better. And, And so that becomes foolishness. Some people have said some things that I are are kind of funny, like um Genius has limits, but foolishness does not. That's kind of true. I like this one. Artificial intelligence cannot beat natural foolishness. There's a lot of truth to that. A foolish person is a person who says, basically, the rules don't apply to me. There's laws, there's rules in place that govern the universe. Right, wrong, good, bad, evil, righteousness. And and basically, the rules don't apply to me to me in my situation, in my circumstance. That's what a fool says. There's an example, a story of a, a pig. I heard a, I heard a story about this pig that was eating acorns. He was getting just his belly full every day, eating acorns that were falling off of this oak tree. And he just kept eating around this tree, and he began to root around that tree. And the other farm animals came up to the pig and said, if you keep rooting around this tree, you're going to kill the tree. And the pig said, who cares if the tree dies as long as there's acorns to eat? That's foolishness. That's foolishness. And we bump into it a lot in our world. Not only do we bump into it, sometimes we see it in the mirror. We simply are being foolish and, and so what I want us to see together in God's Word this morning is a foolish person and what we might be able to learn from him and apply to our own lives. This foolish person, his name was King Belshazzar. Now, the chapter 5 of Daniel starts off, verse 1, it says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. So I need to stop here and kind of tell you what's going on because as we've been going through the book of Daniel, 
This particular king has not been mentioned. This is a new king. Uh, up until this point, King Nebuchadnezzar has been the guy that Daniel's been dealing with all along. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar is dead, okay? Between the end of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, 26 years have passed. And King Nebuchadnezzar has died. And there's been a lot of turmoil in the Babylonian Empire. In fact, the throne has changed hands four times in 26 years. And so the person that is now king of the empire is actually a guy named Nabonidus. I'm not going to say it right. Nabonidus. Nabonidus. Nabonidus is not mentioned here. Nabonidus is Belshazzar's dad, okay? Nebuchadnezzar was, it was Belshazzar's grandfather, all right? So, so this is how Belshazzar got in. And Belshazzar is not the king of the empire. He is the king of Babylon, the city, the city of Babylon. And what's going on is that there's a battle raging between Babylon and the Medes and the Persians. And it's not mentioned here in this passage that we're looking at, but this battle is taking place and Belshazzar's dad, Nabonidus, has already been defeated by the Medes and the Persians. And the Medes and the Persians have actually surrounded Babylon, the city of Babylon, and they are laying siege to this city. And then while this siege is taking place, the Bible tells us that Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. So while he's hosting this banquet, the city is actually under siege. And I don't have time this morning to explain to you why he felt so confident that he could do this, uh, the, the, the city of Babylon was a tremendous feat of ingenuity, okay? Uh, it had a defense system like no defense system ever before. They truly felt safe inside their city walls. And so that's part of what's going on here, is that he's throwing this banquet in the midst of the city being under siege, and he's trying to communicate to the city, hey, don't worry, there's no way. There's no way we can be defeated or harmed by this army that is attacking us. So that's what's the background between what's going on here, okay? And so it says, while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, that's his grandfather, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So what's happening here is, is that uh, Belshazzar, he's, he's so confident of, of the fact that, that they cannot be defeated. He's throwing this party. He actually uh, brings in these items from the temple of Jerusalem. King Nebuchadnezzar defeated Jerusalem about three or four decades earlier. And, and so these items that were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar, 
he put these items away. He said, these things should be honored. And Nebuchadnezzar, like we looked at last week, eventually became a believer. He eventually praised God and honored the almighty living God. And all of that was recorded. Belshazzar, is, is, he's throwing it all out. He's saying, look, we're so confident. We're going we're gonna to use the things that, that my grandfather said could never be used, the things of God. And it says they went on to praise uh, the gods of gold and silver, uh, the gods of, of wood and iron and these kinds of things. And basically what he's saying is, is that, look, I trust the fact that, that we can take care of ourselves. We don't need the Most High God. We, we can take care of ourselves. The Bible goes on to tell us that suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it was wrote. Now, in my mind, that's kind of like something we see in the movies, you know, except it wasn't a movie, it was really happening. It says that the king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. He had to go change his underwear, folks. <laughs> it scared him that bad. That's what the Bible's trying to communicate to us. It scared him that bad. And the king summoned the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners. Then he said to these wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Why the third? Because that's as high as he could promote someone. His dad was the king. He's just the king of the city. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. Now, I want to stop right here. And I, I you know, sometimes um, we try to simplify things, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, except sometimes in our simplicity, we miss some of the truth of God's word. And, and so many times what happens is, is believers look at the world and say there's two kinds of people. There's the people who are saved. There's the people who are lost. And we could make it that simple. It, it is, when it comes to eternity, it is that simple. But when it comes to life on earth, actually there are three kinds of people. There's three kinds of people, and that's what I want us to, to think a, a little bit about before we move into this story. There's three kinds of people. The first is what I call good people. Good people are people who encounter the truth and change. Okay, now the Bible is full of good people. Uh, when, if, if, if we were, had time this morning, we could list all the good people in the Bible. What makes them good? What makes a person good? What makes them good is that they encounter the truth of Jesus Christ, or they encounter the truth of God, and they change. They change because they recognize that's the truth, and I need to align my life to be in line with the truth. That makes a person good. That makes them good. So, so if, if, if someone comes into uh, a knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ and what Jesus did, and, and they take that truth and they accept that truth, they believe that truth, and they try to align their life to be a follower of Jesus, that's a good person. It's not a perfect person, but it is a good person. 
And we find that over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. People who encounter the truth of God, they change because the truth tells them they need to be different, and they become a good person. That's one kind of person. Another kind of person is what the Bible calls a foolish person or foolish people. Now, what makes a foolish person foolish? It is people who encounter the truth and believe the truth will change. That's what makes a person foolish. In other words, this person, a foolish person, comes along and they encounter the truth of God and then they say, you know what, that doesn't work in today's world anymore. That doesn't work in my circumstance. That doesn't fit my situation. So that truth might be good truth for someone else in some other situation, but for me, where I am, that's not the truth. You see, the truth will change for them. That's a foolish person. That person believes the rules as laid out by Scripture through Christ, through God, through the Holy Spirit, that the rules don't apply to them. And that's what makes a person but there's a third kind of person, and that's what the Bible calls evil people or wicked people. What makes someone evil or wicked? It's people who encounter the truth and harm others because of the truth. All right, so, so an evil person is a person who encounters the truth of God. They understand the truth of God, and they so despise it that they would hurt those who adhere to that truth. And that makes a person evil. Now, listen, I could spend a whole lot of time just on this. This is a message right here, just in itself. If you want to learn how to deal with the people in your life, find out which category they're in. Are they good, are they foolish, or are they evil? And that determines how you're going to relate to them moving forward. Because we want to be good people, and you want to hang out with good people. All right? We want to avoid being foolish, because let me tell you, any person at any time can be a foolish person. That can happen to any of us. Okay? So, so we can all be foolish, but when you have foolish people in your life, what are we supposed to do with a foolish person? We are trying to win them over to the truth the best that we can. When you truly encounter an evil person in your life, what are we supposed to do with an evil person? Well, we are to love our enemies and manage our time with them. Make sure they never become the person that influences you. Make sure that, that you know, if at all possible, don't let them hurt you. You know, it, but that's a whole nother sermon and a whole nother, whole nother thing. But there's, there's these three kinds of people. And here's something that you need to know. This isn't in your notes, but this will help you understand the difference between a foolish person and an evil person. Foolish people and evil people both hurt other people. But foolish people do not do it on purpose. Okay? Listen, the evil person hurts other people on purpose. They're trying to hurt other people. A foolish person who thinks, oh, 
The truth doesn't apply to me. The rules don't apply to me. My life is different. My circumstances are different. My situation is different. So the truth doesn't work for me. Listen, that person is going to hurt the people around them, but they're not doing it on purpose. An evil person is. And what I want us to see together this morning as we go through God's word is that King Belshazzar is a foolish person. He's not evil. He's a fool. Next week, we'll talk about evil people. But today, I want you to see a fool and how we can learn from a fool. The Bible goes on to tell us that after this has all happened, this handwriting on the wall, these words are left on the wall. And no one knows what these words mean. And it's created quite an uproar in this banquet hall in front of all these people. They've all been terrified by what has happened. And no one understands what's taking place. And notice what the Bible says. The queen, this is actually Belshazzar's grandmother. Okay? The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. May the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, your grandfather, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father... Your grandfather, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems, which is what they have at the moment, a very difficult problem. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you, Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight and intelligence and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. I hope... You can imagine the urgency in his voice. He has been terrified. He says, now I heard that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. It's the second time we've seen that phrase, difficult problems. You know what it means? Literally, it means loose knots. Daniel, I've heard you have the ability to loose knots. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty, the most high God, gave your father, that's your grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor because of the high position he gave him. All the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. 
But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was disposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. You remember we, we read this last week. This, this happened 26 years prior to this moment that we're reading in Scripture. All Daniel is doing is recalling the past of what happened to his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, of, of uh, Belshazzar's uh, grandfather. And he says, he was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged the Most High God. They acknowledge that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and sets over them anyone he wishes. So Daniel recalls to King Bell here. He, he goes to King Bell and he says, look, you know the story of what happened to your grandfather. 26 years ago, he did not believe in the Most High God. And literally, he had a mental breakdown. And that mental breakdown came to an end when he acknowledged that God was the Most High God. Belshazzar, you remember this. This has been recorded for everyone to remember. That's what Daniel has just done. Notice what he says next to King Belshazzar. But you, Belshazzar, his grandson, have not humbled yourself, though you knew He's foolish. He knew the truth, and he thought the rules didn't apply to him, even though it happened 26 years ago. He goes on to say, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hands your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. So Daniel is reminding King Bell here, he's telling him, you already know the truth about the Most High God, but you have decided the truth doesn't apply to you, that the rules don't apply to you. You believe the truth has changed for you. And instead of calling out on the Most High God of whom you have been told about, you have called on other gods. Gods that we are very familiar with in our own world. We don't call them gods, but we serve them as God. When he talked about the gods of gold and silver, he's just talking about wealth. He's talking about money. He's talking about this false security that all of us feel when we have money in our hands. Our nice big retirement. Or we get the pay raise. Or we get the better job. Or we have the nice portfolio. Or we dream about what our life would be like if we could just win mega millions. And how much good we could do in the world. We can't do any good without that money. But if we had that money, oh, we would be so good. That's what Belshazzar is leaning talks about the gods of bronze and iron, military strength. They had it. 
They had military strength. We too rely heavily upon that. We live safe within our borders and believe nothing bad could ever happen to us. And that's why we are so out of touch with what's happening in the rest of the world. Every one of us ought to go on a mission trip outside of our country and see what the rest of the world lives with. And then we would have compassion that we preach about but somehow can't connect with. Because we trust no one can get to us like they do in other places. So did King Bell. He believed that too. They talk about the gods of wood and stones, talking about ingenuity. They had built a massive city that no one had ever conquered. They believed it could never be conquered. That's why he's throwing a party in the midst of a siege. There's no way anyone can defeat us. Fools. To think the rules don't apply to him. The Bible goes on to tell us, this is the inscription that was written. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. Here's what the words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, that very night, the night of the party, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. How does God deal with foolish people? You got to remember, okay, we're talking about people who have come to believe that the truth and the rules of the truth do not apply to them. People who have come to believe that the truth will change for them because their circumstances are different from those who shared the truth with them. How many, I just wondered, well, don't raise your hand, but I just, I'm just curious. I wonder how many people in the room and watching online right now know of the truth because they had a grandparent that told them the truth. And I also wonder how many people ignored the truth of the grandparents. And they look at that older generation and they say, oh, that doesn't work anymore. That may have worked 40 years ago. That may have been, that may have been good in their time when the world wasn't spinning like it's spinning now. But now things are different. So the truth must be different too. The truth will change for me. Fools. We are fools when we believe that. And how does God deal with those people, foolish people, who think the truth will change for them? The truth about faith. What, what, what is the real God? What is the real? I get it. There's all kinds of religions in the world. Which one's the right one? There's only one that's true. 
There's only one that's truth. So which one is it? And, and we get told, someone tells us, but then we choose, oh, that can't be it. That can't be how it works. That can't be how God works in the world. Surely God is more understanding than that. What about when it comes to, to things like our, our finances and, and, and the limits that money have? And we hear the truth of that. Oh, but we live for it. We make plans based on it. We're selfish with it. We hang on to it. We're not generous. We've been told the truth. But the world's different now, Pastor. Listen, it, it may have worked that way back in the 90s, maybe in the 80s it was like that. But in today's world, no, that doesn't, it doesn't work like that now. Fools, that makes us fools. What about, what about the whole idea of, of gender role and sexuality in, in, in the world? Has all of a sudden that's changed all over? The, like, like the rules don't apply anymore. God made them male and female. Oh, no, he didn't. There's like eight different genders now. Fools. That makes us fools. What about when it comes to scheduling our time? Oh, my goodness, if anything has changed, it's, I mean, we all, we just pull out the smartphone, right? And we schedule our time, we figure out our life, and we think, we think because of all the smart tools we have, we have more time. Fools! We don't have more time. But we believe we might. And so because of that, we think, I know I need to change something in my life, but I'm not going to change it now because I've always got more time. We don't have any. That's what makes us fools. So how does God deal with people that have heard the truth and know the truth but believe the truth will change for them? What does he do? Quickly, let's look. First, he confronts and terrifies them. That's what happened with Baal. While they're having their party, the hand showed up, started writing on the wall, and it scared them to death. We don't get handwriting on the walls. We get other things that scare us to death. We get marriages that fall apart. We get financial problems that keep us awake. We, we lose the ability to cope with society, and we're constantly looking for some way to escape what's going on around us because we're afraid, we're scared, we're tired. We don't know what to do. That's our world. And so God confronts us with our foolishness, and it scares us. We see the problems of the world, and we just hope they don't impact us. But deep down inside, we know they will. And that our life, many times, is nothing more than a house of cards waiting for a stiff wind to come and blow them down, and we are scared. And we just keep running believing that if we run fast enough, what terrifies us will not catch us. And God is in all of that. To deal with our foolishness. We get people like Bell's grandmother 
who comes into our life and says, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not as bad as it seems. Here, listen to this podcast. Follow this person. Read this book. Here, go to that seminar. It's not that bad. We're just looking for somebody to tell us something that will make us feel a little bit better about the crazy world we live in because we're terrified of it. This is how God confronts foolishness. He scares us. He terrifies us with truth. Because what, the, what happens next is that he confronts and tears. But the second he sends truth, they cannot understand. That's exactly what happened in the party. They're there in the party. God wrote truth on the wall. Plain as day. It was right there. But they could not understand it. They could not understand the truth that they were looking at. Many people live their lives this way. The truth of their pride, the truth of their arrogance, their their foolishness, it keeps us from understanding the truth that is right in front of us. Have you ever been around somebody like that? Have you ever been around someone that that they're looking at their life and and, and they're watching their life crumble in front, but they can't understand why? And anyone else standing around can see what's going on. They can see, but that person can't see it. That person can't see the truth of what's happening. What's bad is when we're looking in the mirror. We can't see the truth that God has placed right in front of us. And we can't make sense of what he's saying to us. But thankfully, God just doesn't give us truth we can't understand. He also sends a truth interpreter, which is what Daniel was for Baal. And God still sends truth interpreters God always has someone in our life who can help us interpret the truth that he has given us. Now, he can't make us listen to that person. He can't make us take into account what that person is saying. But God always sends someone to tell us to to interpret truth for us. Uh, Look, this this isn't in your notes, but this is free, okay? If you need a truth interpreter in your life, I'm going to tell you what you're looking for right now, okay? Because it's the characteristics of Daniel. A truth interpreter is always a godly person. That's what Daniel was. Daniel was a godly person. And you know what? Bell's grandmother may not have known much, but she knew Daniel was different than everybody else. And what made him different was that he was a godly person. And that's why she came in and said, hey, you should call on this guy. If you need a truth interpreter in your life, you're looking for a godly person. You're also looking for someone who can help you connect spiritual dots. Is that not what Daniel did for King Belshazzar when he came in and he said, look, 26 years ago, do you remember what happened to your grandfather? You know, it's like recorded for the entire empire to read. You remember that? You remember what happened to him? How he had his mental breakdown and it wasn't until he called upon the Most High God that he was restored back to being the emperor of the kingdom all because of he placed his faith in the most high God. Daniel was connecting the spiritual dots for him. If you need a truth interpreter in your life, you need someone that can help you connect the spiritual dots in your life. 
The third thing that you're looking for in a truth interpreter is you need someone who will actually tell you the truth about sin. And that's what Daniel did with Belshazzar. He said, look, you've done a great sin by ignoring the fact that you're, what your grandfather told you about the Most High God. But not only did you ignore that, you brought in these, these items from, from God's temple, the Most High God, and when you brought them in, not only did you disgrace how you used them, but then you began to praise and worship false gods who cannot hear you, who cannot understand you, who cannot help you. And he told him the truth about his sin. If you want someone to help you interpret the truth in your life, you got to give someone permission to look at you and say, this is sin in your life. If you're not going to let anyone tell you that, fool. You're foolish. If you're not going to give anyone permission to tell you that, I'm foolish if I don't give someone permission to tell you. The last thing that you're looking for in a truth interpreter is someone that will share the meaning of God's words, which is exactly what Daniel did for the king. He came in and he said, here's what the words mean. Here's what it means. And a truth interpreter will take these words and tell you what they mean. It doesn't have to be a professional like myself. It could be a grandparent. It could be your neighbor. It could, it's anyone who knows Jesus Christ, who lives by the word and can open the word and tell you what it means. God confronts us with the truth. He sends the truth, but he sends a truth interpreter. But the last thing that you and I need to know is that he is wild and unpredictable with time for repentance. The Bible says that very night, King Bell was killed and he lost the kingdom. Last week we looked at a passage out of Daniel chapter 4 where God interrupted King Nebuchadnezzar's life, gave him a dream. You remember, if you didn't hear that, go back and listen to it online. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. In Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar was given 12 months to decide if he would repent or not. 12 months. King Baal was given a few hours. God is unpredictable. Don't you dare believe that he is tame, that he is, some, that he is some wild animal that we have brought into our house and tamed like a household pet. That is not God. He is the wild lion of Judah. He's good, but he's wild. And too many times what fools believe is they have more time. 
They believe that just because something's been pointed out to them, just because some sin has been exposed or something has unfolded in their life that has terrified them, and they connect and see, oh, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should apply God's word to my life. Maybe I should start living different. Maybe I should change some of my habits. Maybe I should change the way I look at money. Maybe I should change the, my availability to the Lord. Maybe I should change it. You know what? I got time. I'll do it next week. I've got time. I'll wait until X, Y, or Z happens. And then I'll start doing what the Lord, what I know I should be doing. Listen, fool. We're fools when we act like that. Because God is unpredictable. We may not have next week. We may not have it. If God is speaking to you in your life today, you need to act today. You may only have a few hours. He is unpredictable. And to not respond to him when he clearly speaks to us and shows us the truth, and to say to ourselves, oh, we've got time. I've got time. That's foolish. I'm going to pray for us. And Stephen's going to come and close our service. If you're watching online this morning, I hope uh, that God has spoken to you and that, and that you will respond to him. Let's pray together. Father, your word is powerful and it's convicting. And Lord, even now, Father, as we read this passage and think about the implications of the truth of your word and what it says, Lord, I know I look at my own life and I see where I'm being so foolish. God, forgive me. Lord, help me not to be a fool. Lord, I pray that for all of us. Lord, we would look at our lives and let your spirit show us where we're being that we would yield. Father, we pray for that now.